Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. My name is Clay. Today we are going to dive into attachment theory and specifically the four attachment styles. So what is attachment theory? Based on where you land with your avoidance and your anxiety, you end up in one of these four quadrants. So you've got secure in the top left, anxious attachment in the top right, bottom left you've got avoidant. The bottom right has a few different names, but it's basically anxious and avoidant. So sometimes you'll hear people say anxious avoidant, or it'll also be called fearful, dismissive, or I've also heard unresolved. So there seems to be a number of different names. I'm going to call it fearful. So from doing some research into this topic, our attachment styles seem pretty distinct from our personality. Attachment seems to be something we are taught as children. If you're, you know, with a parent that's very emotionally unstable and you don't really know what's happening from day to day, you might you know, get quite anxious, your fear of abandonment might be quite high. That's something that people with high anxiety in the attachment style might feel. Um, if you're with an avoidant parent that never opens up, um, doesn't connect with you on an emotional level, you might learn to be avoidant yourself. You might learn that that's normal. Um, on the flip side, you might have a parent that has secure attachment and you will learn you know, how to communicate in a healthy way, how to attach to people in a healthy way, and, and to build healthy levels of intimacy and in relationships. So one thing it seems clear about attachment is, depending on where you land, it does seem like something that you can work towards and become healthy in these areas. So let's say you're anxious avoidant or fearful, which is sort of one of the most unstable attachment styles. I think with work, you can become healthier. So in that way, attachment to me almost seems like a layer on the cake. So we have our core personalities, we sort of have ourselves, and then you know, layered over top of that, we have all these different things. We have our upbringings, and attachment style is one of those things. It's like an icing on the cake that we kind of you know, work through to approach people. You can fall anywhere on either of these spectrums and then kind of place yourself as a dot somewhere on this chart. So why do I think this is important? As I've gone through researching this topic, I've learned a few things about myself here. Maybe I've identified a few things that I can work on. So I mean, it's just like anything else, all these sort of self-help topics. It's sort of about self-reflection how can you become a better version of yourself? How can you become stronger? So, I mean, that's one side of why I think this is useful. But another thing is, it helps identify sort of problem relationships in your life. Like, let's say you're in a romantic relationship that just isn't working. This attachment theory is, is pretty interesting for trying to identify maybe some of those issues, or let's say a family relationship or a friendship. Let's say you know, a lot of your friendships sort of end up breaking down into a similar problem. I think you can kind of use this stuff to help analyze. All right, so let's dive in here. We'll start with secure really quick, just to give a baseline of all the other ones. So secure seems to be secure, as you may guess. And there's less problems in there, which makes it, you know, a little more boring to discuss. And the other three kind of have more issues. So let's start with secure as a baseline. So the secure attachment style in the top left quadrant means you have low avoidance, low anxiety. So in general, people with secure attachment style, they are comfortable with intimacy 
in their relationships. They're okay with being vulnerable with others. They want to be vulnerable and they expect vulnerability in exchange. They want to be trusted and they want to trust. They want to understand and they want to be understood. And they have good communication techniques in order to achieve all of these goals. And all of these things kind of go into emotional intimacy, which I've talked a lot about on my channel. How do you get emotional intimacy? So all these things kind of describe, you know, a healthy, secure relationship. Another thing about secure attachment style is, you know, they're not worried. They're not preoccupied with the relationship. They're not you know, worried it's gonna go away at any moment. They don't have this fear of abandonment. That's one thing about when you have high anxiety, we'll talk about in a minute, it's like this high fear of abandonment. You feel like people are gonna leave you all the time. So secure people, they don't feel that. They, they feel secure in their relationships. One sign of that is if there's a disagreement or an argument or even a discussion, they understand that the discussion is separate from the relationship. You can respectfully disagree with somebody and still have a relationship. So secure people have low anxiety, low avoidance. So what does low anxiety look like? Low anxiety means you're not preoccupied with the relationship in a negative way. You don't feel like this person's gonna leave you. You're sort of secure with yourself. You feel like a worthwhile person. You feel like you have something to offer this person and you feel comfortable with that. People with secure attachment don't confuse independence with being abandoned. You see that sometimes in relationships. You know, somebody wants a little bit of space. They want to be able to do their own thing, sort of have their own independence. And if a person is highly anxious, they take that as a very bad sign. They're like, oh no, this person doesn't want to be with me 24-7. You know, it kind of, kind of triggers that, that fear that maybe this person doesn't like me after all. So people with low anxiety are able to manage their emotions. They don't lash out and sort of have that fearful, rejected feeling at like the slightest criticism. People with high anxiety kind of, you know, might tend that way. Another thing is people with low anxiety, they are slower to jealousy. Why? What does jealousy come out of? It comes out of an insecurity that, oh, this person might leave me. I better hold on to them tighter. Okay, I'm not going to let them do that. And it kind of has this controlling attitude. So low anxiety is one thing for secure and low avoidance is another thing. So what does low avoidance look like? A, low, a person with low avoidance is okay depending on other people and they are okay with people depending on them. People with high avoidance, it's sort of flipped. It's, they're very independent. Low avoidance also means they are okay getting close to people. They want connections in their life. They want intimacy and good meaningful relationships. They're not scared of that. Low avoidance also means they don't run away when things get intense. Let's say there's an argument or a disagreement or some kind of a fight. Secure people will almost lean into that and try to get to the bottom of it and figure out that problem. Avoidant people are the opposite. They flee, they shut down, you know, they won't display their emotions. They sort of go more towards independence and pull back instead of coming together to resolve the issue like a low avoidance person. You know, at the core of low avoidance is a desire to solve issues and they're not scared of that. It's, it's not a fearful thing. What I've noticed about this attachment theory in general is a lot of the things, if somebody doesn't do something properly, it's, it's often out of fear. Which is interesting, right? Because 
you know, we might sit back sometimes and be like, oh, that person's doing that, you know, maliciously. But oftentimes it's not. It's not being done maliciously. It's, it's more of a protection technique on their end. Would you just stay with me? Stay with you? What for? Look at us. We're already fighting. Well, that's what we do. We fight. You tell me when I'm being an arrogant son of a bitch, and I tell you when you're being a pain in the ass, which you are. 99% of the time. I'm not afraid to hurt your feelings. They have like a two-second rebound rate and you're back doing the next pain in the ass thing. So what? So it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be really hard. And we're gonna have to work at this every day, but I wanna do that because I want you. I want all of you, forever, you and me, every day. <laughs> Will you do something for me? Please, you just picture your life for me. 30 years from now, 40 years from now? What's it look like? If it's with that guy, go. Go! I lost you once. I think I could do it again. If I thought it's what you really wanted. But don't you take the easy way out. What easy way? There is no easy way. No matter what I do, somebody gets hurt. Would you stop thinking about what everyone wants? Stop thinking about what I want, what he wants, what your parents want. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's do you want? So the second attachment style I'm going to talk about now is the avoidant. And sometimes these people are also called dismissive, depending on where you read. So let's consider somebody who's sort of high on the spectrum of avoidance. What does that person look like? These people are very uncomfortable with emotional connection with other human beings. And they may be able to connect well in other areas, let's say intellectually or they might be people that you can hang out with and do sports with or various groups or small talk and they, they actually can be quite charming. But it's the emotional connection part that really scares them. And like I said, this is from childhood. Sometimes that can trigger people to be like, well, I don't wanna to get too close to people because when they leave, I don't want to have that feeling. I don't want to be abandoned, so I'm just not going to get close to people in the first place. So what do they look like? Often they can appear quite distant emotionally. They can reject attempts by you at getting close. They almost see it as a loss of their independence to get close to somebody else. They are often terrified of vulnerability. It's something that I kind of need in my relationships. I need vulnerability. And for whatever reason in my life, I've ended up with a lot of avoidant people as friends, romantic partners. And it's um, something that I've learned about myself and I've finally moved out of that. But why, why was I attracted to avoidant people? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But once I, as a very non-avoidant person, get into a relationship with somebody like this, their fear of vulnerability really starts to cause problems. So like I said, these people can be quite great in other ways. Like they could be very intellectual. You could have a great intellectual connection and conversation with somebody and yet they are completely closed off emotionally and you really can't crack that. It seems like conflict avoidance is one thing that they're quite good at. So let's say there's a problem or an issue in a relationship. People that are avoidant will run away from those. People with secure attachment will lean into it and try to fix it. Like I said in the secure section. The avoidant people are going to lean back. They're going to withdraw, try not to deal with the topic. And so it's kind of an interesting thing. Like let's say you have two people and the secure person leans in, this person leans back. 
It's almost like the more somebody tries to push towards them, the further they, they will go. So it's a bit of an awkward situation, right? Because if you just let them be, you know, they're fine. But as you try to lean in and fix stuff, you know, it can cause these flights. So the whole low emotional connection can be expressed in a number of different ways, I think. On one hand, they could be quite dismissive, uh, just outright dismissive of your attempts. Um, on the other hand, though, they could be quite cool and calm. And sometimes they might even use humor to deflect. So you ask them a personal question and then they make a joke. Ha ha ha, everybody laughs and then conveniently on to the next topic. So they almost might seem kind of charming in that way, but really they're using humor as a bit of a, a deflection technique. So something else about avoidant people is maybe depending on their personality, um, they might just pull back and shut down. And I, I definitely know people like that where you know, you might start in on an issue and it gets, you end up getting more and more intense, like, and then all of a sudden they're just shut down. They won't even say anything anymore. And at that point, it's almost like they're not even hearing you. There's also the type that will take it for a bit and then eventually they'll just explode and go zero to 60. It's almost like a, a release of stress. Like they have all this stress and they're just bottling all this stuff inside of them and all of a sudden it all comes out like a bomb at one point and you get the point, right? When the bomb goes off, you stop. So in a way, it's another deflection technique. It's just using anger, whereas I talked about humor before. Instead of using humor, they're almost using anger as a way to tell you to back off. So with regards to independence, avoidance really value their independence. They see it as almost like a survival technique. As long as they have their independence and they know how to do everything they need to do, is if everybody leaves them, they can still cope. They can still do it. They don't want to be too dependent on this person for their life because if that person leaves, now they don't, they're deficient in some way. So they don't really want to rely on others. And in the same way, they don't really want others relying on them in case they want to leave, in case they need to do their own thing, in case they need to back off. They want to know that that person can be okay on their own. So as we will see later, when I'm actually going to talk about a very toxic relationship, which is when anxious and avoidant people get together, it creates this really awkward situation. For some reason, anxious people and avoidant people are often attracted to each other. So after I get through the other two attachment styles, we will talk about that particular relationship because I think it's really interesting. So one more thing to say here is that as parents, avoidant people are often very emotionally unavailable. Those are the parents that you know aren't there for their children on an emotional level. And then as such, the children will grow up probably being avoidant as well. You're not fooling anybody. You'd miss me if I was gone. Despite everything you've said, we're brothers. And we have a bond that's deeper and more meaningful. Dad went to 7-Eleven to get scratchers. I, I guess he won because that was six years ago. Hmm. Which happens, Dad's leave. No need to be a pussy about it. Here's what I need. What was your father like? Me. Only older and meaner. Look, 20 questions is getting a bit boring. You feel 
excuse me, I'm going to pursue a more fulfilling pastime. Hey. Hey. So moving along now to anxious attachment style. These people are high in anxiety and low in avoidance. So when it comes to avoidance, they're actually kind of the opposite of the avoidant. But when it comes to anxiety, they're the opposite of secure. So what distinguishes an anxious attachment style? Well, because they're low avoidance, they do want close connections. They want relationships. They want intimacy. They want understanding and trust. So they want all these things and they're trying to get it. However, because they are high anxiety, they are generally quite insecure. And there's a whole bunch of issues that sort of come out of that insecurity. So they have this fear of rejection and they're constantly worried about that. And then they kind of go overboard in certain areas to kind of, you know, protect against being abandoned. As a result, people might see them as being a little clingy or needy, especially avoidant people. That's generally how they describe anxious people. I think also anxious people, it's almost like they can have like an extreme FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And it's like they want to be included all the time. They want to be part of the action. It's, it's almost the opposite of independence. When I talked about the avoidance, they want independence. The anxious people just, they want to be included. And sometimes they can almost like stifle their friends or their romantic partners. Like it's just too much. It's overwhelming and people are like, they just need to break. So I think quite often these people that are high in anxiety, they can be a bit codependent or people pleasers. It's almost like they're like analyzing their friends, their partners. They see like subtle emotional changes, but rather than be rational about it or ask some questions to try to find out, you know, they, they can really jump to conclusions and start assuming all kinds of things. So as an example, let's say one person in the relationship is just not feeling well that day. They got a headache. They're just not feeling good. Um, the anxiously attached person might look at them instead of just take their word for it that they're just not feeling well. They'll start jumping to all kind of, kinds of conclusions like, oh, you know, they're, they're rejecting me. What if they don't, they don't like me anymore? They're just saying it's a headache. And like, it's like these people can just spiral down into these massive assumptions. And so it's like these small changes in mood can kind of trigger their abandonment, their rejection. And so what is that really? Like if you had to put a word on that, I would put codependency uh, as a way to describe that. It's, uh, codependency is when your own emotional state is wrapped up in somebody else's well-being. If they're doing well, then you're doing well. If they're not doing well, then you're not doing well. It's like there's, there's no separation. You don't have your own self, your own confidence to say, well, I'm doing well even though that person isn't doing well. So yeah. It seems like anxiously attached people, there is an element of codependency sort of built in there. So because these anxious attachment style people are not avoidant, they're low in avoidance, they don't really have the same emotional withdrawal that the avoidance have. So as a result, these people can be overly emotional, uh, they can have emotional outbursts. And so when you combine that with this whole anxiety, these people can kind of be on a bit of an emotional roller coaster, I think a lot of the time. Like in general, they're just holding on too tight to everything, to their partner, to their friends. And they're nervous to have independence in themselves. They're nervous to let their partner have independence. 
I think in extreme cases, it can kind of result in that type of person who's very controlling because they're so worried about what this person might do. Like it could be the partner that, oh, I think he's gonna cheat on me and just so worried about it, he's gonna leave me that now they, they don't let their partner go anywhere or don't let them hang out with that person because you know something might happen. And it sort of ends up with this high element of control, but why? It's, it's mainly because of their own insecurity their own fear, and it's less about any objective thing that says this person actually is untrustworthy. So if you're the other person in this relationship, it can kind of come across a little insulting, I think, when you're dealing with somebody like this, if they're sort of on the extreme end of this anxiety. Because it, it makes it sound like they don't trust you. You know, you could say, I love you 10 times a day, and yet this person still thinks that you're about to leave them at any moment. And they like reassurance. Anxious people like reassurance. And so if you're with an anxious person, you might notice that you're often having to reassure them. And everybody needs a little reassurance in a relationship. But when it becomes excessive, when it's almost like you've, you've told them so many times and yet you know, the problems still keep coming up, I think that's where the highly anxious style can almost just start to overwhelm a, a person it's like i'm we've been through this like i'm not i'm not leaving you know you are a worthwhile person i actually do really appreciate you i really do like spending time with you so anxious people i think can be quite susceptible to covert contracts as well it's like they have especially when they're with avoidant people they have this ideal relationship that they want that they're striving for and they're trying to get it and they've chosen this avoidant person, let's say, maybe they don't fully express their needs, express their wants, and instead just expect that this is what they deserve. So the highly anxious person is unstable, unpredictable. It can be a very hard person to be in a relationship with unless you yourself are a very stable, patient, secure person. And then you can kind of, it's like talk this person down from the ledge a bit. Yeah, I would have just, you know, come here first if you would have picked up your phone or answered my text messages. Instead, I had to get on a plane and drive around town looking for you like an idiot. You were the first boy who made me feel loved and sexy and visible. You know where I was? I didn't. All right. Don't leave. I Did you follow me? I, I feel very protective of you. How did you get in here? The window. Do you do that a lot? Um, just the past couple of months. Edward! If you ever touch her against the will again! Edward, don't do this! She's not sure what she wants. Don't do this! Let me here. give you a clue. So the fourth and final attachment style is the anxious avoidant, also called fearful or disorganized or unresolved. I've chosen to call it fearful in this video. So these people kind of have the worst case scenario from both the anxious people and the avoidant people. They're anxious in that they're scared of being rejected. They have a fear of an abandonment. They question their partner's love, commitment, trust, 
Um, they have trouble regulating emotions. However, unlike the straight anxious types, the fearful type, the fearful attachment style is avoidant. So they're afraid of intimacy. They're afraid of connection. You know, they might even want intimacy and connection, but there's some kind of trauma under it all that makes them scared of it. Um, they're uncomfortable with vulnerability. They might want to get close to people, but it's almost like they can't. They, they start to get close and then they unintentionally push people away. So the fearful type often manifests as kind of severe emotional dysregulation. They can be anxious and needy one minute, and then the next they flip into this fiercely independent, ragey person who's pushing other people away. So I think the whole lashing out thing is, is very common in this. It's almost like these people have like, almost like two personalities in a way. So these people can be easily abusive, physically abusive. They can be emotionally abusive or verbally abusive. They often have like a wake of dysfunctional relationships in their past. And I, I think the reason why it's so hard to get close to these people is it's this constant push-pull. You might start to get close and then maybe one day this person gets triggered. Maybe you say something that's a little wrong. Say their own abandonment kind of creeps in and then they can kind of erupt and push you away. And they might even say very hurtful things. And I think at their core, what I suspect is they want people to then run to them and reassure them and love them. And, but a lot of people, right? Like if, if you take their behavior literally, it sort of seems like they don't want anything to do with you. Many people will just back off when these people kind of freak out, which then only confirms their fears that people will abandon them. So often people with the fearful attachment style, they have some kind of unresolved trauma in their lives, maybe in their childhood or some other part in their life. They say quite often they're quite good at disassociating from that trauma to kind of avoid pain. So these people have all these internal walls they've built up around these particular issues. And if you, as a maybe a secure attachment style person, wants to help them or talk about some of these issues, you will quickly experience this wall, um, this disassociation they have, and they will, you know, go straight into that whole avoidant thing to avoid many of these issues and not talk about them. It's just sort of like a hard nut inside. It's just really hard to crack. So another thing about the fearful attachment style is they say they have a tendency towards narcissistic behavior. So these people could land on the narcissistic personality disorder spectrum. Another thing, in extreme cases, they could go more towards that antisocial spectrum, which is psychopaths or sociopaths. Um, and researching psychopathy has been something on my list lately. I've been kind of interested in it. It seems like the main characteristic of those people is low empathy. You know, narcissists and, and antisocial sort of share low empathy. Where the antisocial people are special is that they don't really have a, an understanding of consequences like a lot of other people. So they, they could be, they have high tendency towards, you know, criminal behavior because they just don't understand the consequences of doing a particular thing. It's almost like they think they're outside of the law or outside of the consequences. So narcissists, as I've talked about other times on these videos, they have low empathy. Um, nothing's ever their fault. It can be very controlling, very manipulative. They use all kinds of manipulation techniques to get what they want, 
but you know, at the core of it, they're very hurt individuals. So if I had to kind of summarize what fearful attachment style people are all about, it's, it's not that they don't want connections, it's just that it's, it's very scary, it's very uncomfortable to get close to people. It's this high fear of abandonment and then preemptively pushing people away. And it's almost like the greater dependence they have on somebody, the, the more fear there is because the more, the more pain there will be when that person eventually abandons them. So I think sometimes that's why these people will almost limit the connection on purpose to kind of, of limit the eventual pain when the relationship inevitably breaks down according to them. So if you're trying, if you're somebody in a relationship with somebody like this, it can be extremely distressing, um, very painful. You know, you're going to have these these massive mood swings. They're pushing you away. They're, and then they might be apologizing. It's it's like a roller coaster, very emotionally unstable. And then combined with narcissism or other things, this can be a very difficult person to get along with. I just want to have your little fling with like the guy from the other side of town. Then you're going to go off to Stanford. You're going to marry some rich prick who your parents will approve of and just sit around with the other trust fund babies and talk about how you went slumming too once. I look like I need that. No, God, I just want to be with Don't you because bullshit. I love you. Don't bullshit me. Don't I you love you. fucking bullshit me. So that's the four attachment styles. And one thing I should try to you know emphasize here is that nobody is squarely in one or the other. It's not like you're in the far corner. You might be insecure. But you know, you're closer to the anxious section. So you're sort of on the anxious end of securely attached. Some people might be, you know, right on the line of something. So maybe sometimes when they're doing poorly, they might be more fearfully attached, but they can kind of pull themselves out of it quicker. People that are like far spectrum fearful, you know, they might get into these modes for days, weeks, months, where you know, they're on these massive mood swings. Those types of relationships can be very stressful to be in. All right, so now I'm gonna talk about this anxious avoidant relationship that seems to happen quite often, and it happens between an anxious person and an avoidant person. Not to be confused with anxious avoidant, AKA the fearful attachment style. Um, like if you Google this, and you type in anxious avoidant relationship, it's often referring to an anxious person and an avoidant person getting together. From the outside, like let's say you're a securely attached person, you have a friend who's anxious and they're dating an avoidant person. It can almost be like, I don't wanna say humorous, but it can seem very strange at times that the way these people are behaving and you see this pattern. And so that's what characterizes these relationships, I find, is it's a recurring pattern. It seems obvious to everybody else, but for some reason to them, they just don't quite grasp it. So first up, the anxious partner, as we've talked about, they want a lot out of the relationship and they expect a lot. The anxious partner will often accuse the avoidant person of being distant, emotionally closed off, uninterested or unengaging. And they definitely want the avoidant partner to step it up in that area. They want them to be less avoidant. So on the other hand, the avoidant partner, they don't want a lot and expect a lot. They want very little. They want less. They want more independence. So often avoidant people will accuse their anxious partners of being overly emotional, needy, maybe too sensitive, demanding of their time, of their emotions, of their 
you know, of too, they just want too much of the avoidant self. So here is the cycle of the anxious and avoidant relationship. So in the beginning of a romantic re relationship, it's naturally shallow. There's not too much emotional connection in the beginning. And avoidant people can actually be very charming. And they kind of can thrive off these new relationships because by definition, they're not very emotionally deep at that point. So the anxious person will see this avoidant. They might be a very charming person, very you know super cool or very interesting in some way or somebody they really like. And the anxious person will start to idealize that person and they'll sort of put them up on this pedestal. Um, they might start to idealize the relationship of what it will be or what it could be. So of course, as time goes on, that anxious person will start to become frustrated as they realize that this relationship is not getting to the place. They don't, it doesn't have that emotional connection that they crave. Um, and there's all these abandonment issues and fear of rejection interwoven, and it really starts to trigger that anxious person. So on the flip side, the avoidant person, you know, they value their independence. They see this anxious person as interesting. And I, I think the thing about avoidant people is they do want that relationship. They want that connection. And it's almost like they like the idea of it. But then by the time that they get it and almost experience the reality of it, it feels extremely overwhelming um, to the point where it's, it's not really a voluntary thing on their part. It's like they have to, it's like they have to recoil. So they begin to feel like this relationship's a little too much. Maybe this person's a little bit needy. They might just start to feel like they're trapped. Um, they've sort of lost their independence. There's certain things they used to like and you know, want to do, and now they can't do those things anymore. Um, they might feel controlled. So on both sides of the relationship, there are these covert contracts. It's because they both have a slightly different definition of what this relationship is supposed to be, what it should be, but neither one really clearly articulates that to the other sometimes. So both are kind of living in this sort of fog as they try to figure out what's going on. So eventually this is like a volcano. It builds, 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 builds. The anxious person eventually is extremely dissatisfied and it kind of explodes. And I would say at this point, there's one of two possible scenarios that happens. So scenario number one is eventually this volcano erupts and the anxious person decides they've had enough and they leave. The avoidant person can be a little caught off guard, obviously, because they're used to having this anxious person kind of harping on them, requiring all these things, and they're sort of backing off, backing off, and all of a sudden, anxious person's gone. And all at once, the avoidant person's main fear, their main, their main anxiety is gone. There's nothing to be afraid of at this point because the fear of intimacy is gone because there is no more intimacy even being offered. So this, of course, is the ultimate irony. Because the avoidant person now feels comfortable, they feel more comfortable, they have their independence back, all this stuff isn't being heaped upon them, they can now turn the charm on. So at this point, they might go back to their ex-partner and kind of show them and give them all the things that that anxious person wanted to see before. They might give them the gifts they wanted or also they might get very thoughtful. And it kind of goes back to that first stage when they first started getting together before that pressure was there. The avoidant people work really well 
when they don't have that emotional pressure on them. So of course the anxious person can't even believe their eyes. Like this person has become the person they've always wanted. So they quickly flip around, they get back together, and then of course the entire cycle starts over again. So if the first scenario was the anxious person leaves, the second scenario is the avoidant person actually leaves. They actually get to the point where they're completely overwhelmed. They decide they need some space. You know, like this, this is too much. So they leave. This, of course, leaves the anxious person in their worst fear. They've just been rejected. Um, they're abandoned. And quickly, the anxious person's coping mechanisms kind of take over and they just completely back off and kind of isolate themselves off from that person. Um, you know, they kind of go into rejection mode. And like the, the first scenario, as soon as that anxious person backs off, the avoidant person suddenly feels much better, <laughs> much more comfortable. They, they have their independence back. And then for the same reasons, they will often, you know, they'll take a break and, you know, they start to get their bearings again and they start to feel like, oh, well, maybe, maybe it's different this time. This anxious person, maybe they've changed. They don't seem to be as overwhelming as they used to be. Meanwhile, the anxious person has just basically removed their expectation of a real relationship. So now the avoidant person eventually returns thinking things are different or they have changed. The anxious person is excited for a moment they experience that, you know, low anxiety relationship. And then of course the cycle repeats all over again. All right, so at this point in the video, I thought people might be interested where I land on this spectrum. So I took a test, it's just one test. So, I mean, I don't know how definitive these results really are, but I, I did the test and I'll put the link in the description if you wanna go do the test as well. So I'll, I'll put the picture up on the screen. And you can see the chart, and then you can see the little blue dot, and that's where I land. So quite interestingly, I am as low avoidance as this chart goes. So I'm in the secure zone, which is nice, I guess, but I am low spectrum avoidance. And I'm not as far to the left as you can be. So I'm not as secure or low anxiety as you can be. I'm like 25% anxiety on the spectrum. So I think these results are interesting because this pretty much confirms something that I've noticed and sort of the topic of many of my videos over the last year or two. It's that I am very low avoidance in friendships, family relationships, romantic relationships, and I'm always trying to build these deep connections with very specific people in my life. It's not something I try to do with everybody, um, but the, you know, in my romantic relationship, for sure, you know, somebody that might be my best friend, I would definitely try to build this emotional connection. That's very important. As a, as a, a bare minimum, I would need you know, a, a good emotional connection to call somebody a good friend. And so this is quite telling to me because I'm about as low avoidant as it comes. So anybody that is high avoidance, me and that person are gonna have some troubles if we are in a close relationship. But I thought one other question that might be interesting to discuss here is like, where is my anxiety? Because according to this chart, I do have some. I'm 
you know, 25% or a quarter anxiety, let's say. So I was thinking about that question. And I think that if I'm being honest, my anxiety lies in... I feel a little bit anxious that once a person gets to know me, that they won't like me anymore or I will be too much or I will be overwhelming to them. And this actually makes sense, you know, just looking at this chart because I'm so low avoidance that anybody else in the world, like, I mean, I would have to find somebody, to find somebody that was more low avoidance than me or lower avoidance than me, I mean, it's, it sounds like, according to this, I'm already at zero. Like, I'm literally at zero. So to find somebody lower than me might not even be possible or it might be very difficult. So everybody, pretty much, is higher avoidance than me. So it would make sense that, you know, as I grew up, as I tried to build connections with people, that maybe I was just a little too intense for most people. Most people have some natural avoidance, and I don't really seem to have those barriers for whatever reason. So that has happened to me in the past. It's almost like I scare people off, not because of my anxiety, the way that the anxious attachment style people might scare people off, but I scare them off at my desire for deepness and connection. I talk a lot about personality on this channel and I, I suspect there will be lots of other people that also share that struggle. It's sort of like I'm this low avoidant living in a high avoidant world. And whenever you're far spectrum on anything, you know, people, the rest of the people start to feel almost a little alien to you. All right, thanks a lot for watching. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, leave me a comment if you liked the video. And uh, if you have any questions about this, um, you can leave me an audio question. I apologize that I haven't been getting to my audio questions lately, but I, it's something that I would like to get back to. Or you can leave a question in the comments below. I really do try to read all the comments, even though I don't have time to respond to all of them. Uh, just know that I um, really do appreciate all the comments that people leave on the videos and I enjoy reading them for all the varying thoughts that people leave. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a great day and um, best of luck in your relationships. See you later.